Hi, this is Steffi and welcome back to the Financial Fox M&A series with the Tim Brockman, founder and CMO of IMX, a blockchain agnostic platform for people to regain control of their digital identity. Because identity is everything and your data is everything and you need to understand that you can take control of your data or actually you should. Anyway, on this month M&A, we have a special guest, Bruno Kellenberger, CEO of KYC Spider, a digital KYC compliance tool for the fintech industry. KYC Spider is a partner of IMX, and in this episode, we are going to be focusing on KYC, KYBs, and how self-sovereign identity a solution enabled by blockchain technology can really revolutionize the way the KYC and KYBs are done. This was a very interesting conversation. I had 10 questions that we got from our community for both Bruno and Tim. And we kind of cover, I think, everything. But if you think I miss something, please get in touch with us via Twitter or you can send me an email at steffi at financialfox.news. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, click the subscribe button now and follow us on social media to stay up to date with our news and interviews. Okay. Tim, Bruno, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Stefania. Pleasure being here. Hello, Stefania. Nice to meet you again. Yeah, fantastic. So we, we had... The- we had we had team uh, last month and we did uh, 10 questions to him uh, diving into what IMAX uh, offering is uh, and you know some questions that we got from the community this time we wanted to bring you on as well because we wanted to focus on KYC so we reached out to the community we got some very interesting questions 10 questions that I'm gonna put um, to both of you so you can both you know give me uh, your feedback your insight and uh, remember that all these questions they came from the community so you know they they are looking for answer and i think the concept of uh, kyc and self-sovereign identity and blockchain is something really hot right now so are you ready to get started brilliant so maybe before we start just to keep a real suspense so do you want to give a short introduction uh bruno and maybe tim you can do that as well so you can uh, you know tell a bit about yourself and a bit about like a recap about um what imax is doing uh, so you know everybody is on the same page shall i start so Okay. Um, I'm yeah, Bruno Kenbelko. I'm the CEO of KYC Spidal since roughly two and a half years. Uh, previously, I worked um, in banking uh, and then uh, uh, in large software firms, usually serving always regulated, um, heavy regulated clients like banks or, or wealth managers. Um, actually, in KYC Spidal, we do have uh, two main missions. Uh, One is we want to help clients to digitalize compliance processes and the second is actually we want to deliver and use best quality data and make that available for any for any purpose uh, what is required. 
Brilliant. I would like to add, you know, Tim. the history of KYC Spider. Perhaps Bruno, you you lose some words about that, but this is this how we found, how we got in touch with KYC Spider. It's one of it's our most important partner, and uh, we feel really that we are grow together as a kind of a team. And uh, the history of KYC Spider is uh, uh, very interesting. Perhaps uh, you lose some words about this, Bruno. Yeah, with pleasure. I, I didn't want to make it too long, as this year we are uh, having our 20th anniversary. And uh, having said that, that's mainly relevant for the data piece, as obviously uh, since 20 years we do have uh, collected, uh, uh, we call it the KYC records, which means data around um, sanctions around politically exposed persons and crime so there is a huge history and a huge legacy uh, we have we were founded um, as a joint venture between uh, a very reputed law firm called mme very strong in compliance and also blockchain uh, and the spin-off of the uh, university in zurich um, uh, more coming from the data analysis, uh, data management, they actually brought together business know-how and technical skills. And for the first 15 years of our history, beside uh, the collection of data, we were mainly this vehicle to, uh, to support uh, some common clients of those two companies. Uh, five years ago, uh, we have decided really to make KYC Spital uh, independent uh, and uh, to go to market uh, with a a new modern uh, software as a service platform and that's actually what we have been doing the last uh, three years as we used about one and a half year to develop this this new platform brilliant amazing and congratulations on the 20th anniversary yeah that's we are my name nice. is tim brückmann and uh, i'm the co-founder of imx ag also based in switzerland and uh, yeah like bruno already mentioned you know the kyc spider you know they are really long in this compliance uh, industry. We are coming more from the um, blockchain technology. Um, we entered the blockchain space because we saw that KYC data are relevant, especially from the view out of people who work in mobile telecommunications. Okay. Well, brilliant. And anybody that want to maybe dive a bit into the interview, I mean, the, the M&A that we did the last months, so they can always uh, go to our YouTube channel and check the 10 questions that we put to team last month. So let's start with question one. That is actually quite nice because we talk about, you know, KYC, but also blockchain and self-sovereign identity. So we kind of cover everything. Right. How can self-sovereign identity enabled by blockchain technology revolutionize the KYC process for individual and businesses? So that's the question. And I would like you to cover the concept of reusable KYC. How does it work and what benefit yeah, brings to it? I start to and give them over to Bruno for the technical part, perhaps, or how is it stored? Um, for us, it's very important yes. and that uh, unites KYC, Spider, and IMX, that we believe self-sovereign identity is uh, something very important as it streamlines the ecosystem, you know, all what we do in KYC processes, and it gives it a more user-centric view. So what we like is we don't, we avoid more and more open data silos, you know, like 
Meta have, Apple, all these big tech companies, we think that all your data has to be managed out of your wallet, like in the real world. This, I think, um, the basement we're building on and the reusable KYC is a KYC where the user likes us, so he makes an opt-in and check mark, he clicks when he does his KYC process that he can choose. I like to have it re reusable, so he on he, he onboards at the Steffi Bank platform, the Financial Fox Bank, you know, very famous bank. And uh, onboarding there, you can just reuse your KYC, which is done when you onboard it to Deutsche Bank, perhaps. So this is, you know, in in uh, for me in a nutshell, you always have if you're not a technical view, which Bruno gives you later. Uh, Two wallets entering a DEX, a decentralized exchange, and the decentralized exchange has to check, are these wallets whitelisted? Is there a KYC inside? Can I work with them? And the reusable KYC guarantees that you can reuse these KYCs again and again. Always like the regulations, um, say us, or, or the regulations, you know, determine what should be stored on the side of the bank or the platform. Yeah, we have got a question on regulation, so hold on that. Bruno, do you want to add maybe some more technicality on how sovereign identity powered by blockchain can actually, um, you know, revolutionize um, KYC? I think one driver, and obviously I'm more going to um, the how do we see, uh, uh, as a traditional player in the KYC business, how do we approach blockchain and, and those technologies? And for us, I think, beside the, uh, the element we, which unifies us, that we do believe the final person or the final user should gain more power back and more information back. And I think that's fully in line with all the data protection regulations uh, among there. Uh, that's obviously nicely enabled by a decentralized uh, uh, blockchain. And furthermore, uh, the blockchain obviously allows uh, to have uh, a very clear traceability. You have um, the possibility uh, to really serve on a global scale uh, your services. And that's why we do believe in 10 years time uh, that would, will be the common way of dealing with compliance and blockchain actually is, a, is an infrastructure which, which is best fitted to, to address all those requirements. Perhaps as we, it's also when I add, you know, okay. from a business view, always, you know, my, 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 my background is also consultant, consultancy business, you know, and usually people ask you what's the cost and how effective is the way how we work. The cost? Yeah. Okay. I, I have got a question on that, Tim. I've got all the question on that. So uh, we move to actually the KYB now. So question is, what are the key benefits of adopting a self-sovereign identity framework specifically for KYB requirement? And how can businesses leverage the framework to enhance trust and transparency? When I, you know, we just ended, you know, it's for always cost efficiency and we can really well streamline using the blockchain we can streamline the whole due diligence uh, because you know if you look at the costs of a kyc of a kyb or corporated kyc there are different uh, words for a kyb kyb means know your business and we are talking about with making business with entities institutions uh, companies and um, if you 
think about the cost that uh, it can be 20,000 euro to make a KYB possible. So if all these, you know, companies have to uh, do it again and then again, we have not a really high efficiency and also the time-wise, it consumes a lot of time. So if you look perhaps at people who are leading a family office with rich people, they don't have a lot of time. A lot of people asking them, please invest here, please invest here. Um, and, you know, some people don't like to make 10 times the KYB. They don't, they simply don't like it. They say, okay, I don't invest. It's Sunday, I go out with my family, you know. These are decisions you made in your life and, you know, on a daily basis. And I think the efficiency uh, is something which is most important using the blockchain technology to streamline KYBs and KYCs. Thanks, Jack Knet here and fully, fully uh, following um, uh, that um, uh, thought uh, team. I mean, today KYB is mainly done very manually and it is researched more or less on an ad hoc basis. You, and that is uh, actually not only for the company who wants to onboard somewhere, but also for, for the company who is doing the onboarding, uh, very cumbersome. And there, uh, at the end, if, if you nail it down, KYB is a, a finally a collection of various KYCs plus some complementary information. But at the end, uh, the regulator will always force uh, business to be uh, to declare finally who is the ultimate beneficial owner of a business and uh, either it's a publicly listed company then it might be the easiest way but otherwise you need really need to dig down and unbundle if you have structures uh, corporate structures uh, among you need to unbundle that down to persons who finally control the company and they're actually we can really bring together this this uh, efficiency from the blockchain together with the know-how around KYB and we, we can be much, much more efficient, even though we might not have 100% uh, uh, automation, but we, we still increase heavily the automation and the grade of uh, efficiency. Great. I have got actually a question about cost saving. So uh, would you be able to kind of um, tell me what cost saving we are talking about and if you could provide for example some example actually um of what like the money that we you know a business can save using a, a blockchain basis over an identity solution rather than doing you know ma manual uh, kyc feel free to you know to bring a real world example even in developing country as well if that kind of like makes sense I, mean, I, I can give you some examples just what are usual kyc automation rates today and what do we expect leveraging here blockchain and actually today uh, a kyc might be something around 70 percent automated 80 uh, percent if it's really simple and very very much uh, focused and we do actually uh, believe that we can come up to 99 something percent of automation which means that ma the vast majority of the kycs will be processed fully automated without any intervention. Now, if you look from a cost perspective, you don't need to look to the automated part. So the 70% is not very interesting, but your resources, your FTEs are allocated to manage the 30%. 
And actually, if you come from 30%, which reflects your, your FTs in the compliance department, you can go down to 1% or even below. You dramatically reduce the cost and you can obviously leverage this, this uh, know-how then for, for instance, KYB purpose, where you still want to have some, some uh, educated decisions not taken by a machine. But for the KYC piece, it's, it's massive and tremendous. And Bruno, I think it's more always in the focus with financial institutions. If you look now, buying an NFT, doing smaller businesses, mm -hmm. which are not strongly regulated, like onboarding um, <coughs> a telco, a new telco client, a telecommunication client, where you use the KYC, <coughs> sorry, just to know, okay, this is not a terrorist. Yeah, I, I will know, do it a little bit in a nutshell that people can understand it. There is no deep check with anti-money laundering or anything like this if you onboard a telecom client. But if you have it onboarded and this information is in your cryptographic wallet, you can for sure use this to buy an NFT or to log in somewhere because then you have your data and the other company, now I'm coming to the cost, the Steffi Bank, don't have to, to, to pay or, uh, again or don't have the cost of 15 euros up to, up to more uh, for KYC. So you save the onboarding every time you save the costs for KYC. Now people some very often ask me, yeah, but you know, then you destroy your own business. No, we don't do because a KYC must be renewed from time to time. The pass, the, the pass you know, or ID card is a, has a validation of 10 years usually. And some entities need updated information. And we like to be the hub that people can update with us. So they get a real client. We don't, we are not looking for a single contact, make your KYC, goodbye, we never see you again. We like that people, you know, we can serve them, we can, we yeah. can be a hub of trust, especially when you think about that the data uh, is uh, it's just KYC spider is storing, then IMX is not storing data, but they are stored in a regulated server environment in Switzerland, which makes our solution also very safe and very, you know, following the wish of anonymity in the blockchain space. I have got a question and the next question is about uh, data privacy and security. So how does uh, self-sovereign identity enhance uh, data privacy and security in the, in the context of KYC and KYB? And, and on that, if you could also elaborate on how KYC can be monetized without compromising the security and privacy of the users, ensuring there is basically a win-win scenario so nobody gets uh, um, screwed. But I, I wanted to find another word, but <laughs> I can start, you know, with the view. I think Bruno knows the, the cost uh, and the complexity much better and how to uh, monetize them. We like to monetize the people or the companies who onboarded clients to us. So we make a KYC and for a client, for a company, and then we like that these company or we offer like a marketplace of cashback and affiliate. So if these people log in with their cryptographic IMX wallet to like Nike.com, they look, okay, I need a new sneaker. They find the sneaker and when they buy, our wallet will look at the tabs see, okay, there's Nike. Nike is a partner of IMX. So we get kind of a commission for bringing you 
also you, Steffi. I bring you to Nike. Nike said, thanks very much. You bring a new client, so we get a commission paid. And this commission we share with the onboarding company and with the end user as a cashback, and we take a cut. So that's a very new form of uh, monetizing KYC, KYC data or KYC processes. And this solution is just possible because with KYC Spider, we found the way how to make the KYC really reusable. And actually, that's, that's the point yeah. you just made before. To make it reusable data needs to be stored somewhere. And that's per se. And there, I think your question goes also into it uh, against the decentralized world. And how we solve that is, is quite, quite simple. Actually, we do not play a role like a Web2 data, uh, uh, one of the big data collectors. We do store data on behalf of clients and, and we have to protect it uh, to the utmost uh, uh, security because the, that's uh, the, the, the key data of, of clients. And we do that already in the past with our traditional old-style clients and we will continue to do so also in the future. However, thanks to that, we obviously can store that in a secure way. And the end user, and that's the, I think the most important element in SSI, the end user drives where to show what data and uh, the control is always with the user rather than with any, any company who is commercializing that behind, uh, behind us, uh, using Google's, Apple's, uh, Amazon's and so on. Obviously, commissions are also paid in that, in that scenario, but they are paid uh, without uh, getting anything out of it for us as a user. So from that perspective, I think that's the way how we, how we, will do, how we can do that. And even in the extreme case of, of any, uh, um, I would say, of, of any claim where the data, the evidence might be of importance, actually, you, you would need to go the intergovernmental way to the Swiss government, and then you would go further and uh, need really to get a judge deciding that we need to hand out the specific record for evidence purpose. Otherwise, we, we, we cannot do it. We, we, are, we are not uh, even not allowed to do so. And that's the way how, how we would protect it. So only by, uh, uh, by, final, uh, by final claims and judgments from courts, we could give out any data, otherwise it's securely protected. On the other hand, it enables obviously the IMX wallet to reuse the data, always driven by the instruction of the end user. Yeah, so that's great. Basically, you know, you as an individual can take control of your own data and share them as you wish uh, without, you know, just giving away information. So I think this is like a massive uh, um, improvement in also um, individual freedom, right? Perhaps I can add. Yes, please, Tim. Yeah, it's. I think it's also important. The, the, the Swiss is also very famous for the banking secrecy, you know, since, since a long, 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 long time. And, you know, this has tradition in Switzerland. And, you know, if you have servers, cloud servers or whatever in UK or in the rest of the European Union, it's, it's a lot easier for every government in the world 
to get this data. In Swiss, it's a little bit different. They really like to follow the tradition of giving, you know, a lot of privacy to people, yeah. especially in the financial sector. And this is also why we think it's a really USP that we store the data only with KYC Spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very good point about Switzerland. Now we come to the challenges because uh, there are definitely some challenges when integrating self-sovereign identity and blockchain into existing KYC and KYB frameworks. So how can we or how are you overcoming those uh, challenges uh, to ensure there is uh, a seamless adoption integration but also there is uh, awareness and there is education by you know the businesses and also the individual as well actually you know to make this uh, this happen what is what are you doing to kind of overcome those uh, uh, you know challenges First of all, we collect the KYC data in a very compliant way. So there is no leaking points where the data, you know, can be used from third parties that we don't have this. And uh, the model of how we monetize it will help businesses. You know, I, my, my always my best example is because it's my background also with uh, mobile telecommunication. The telecommunication companies have a quite a low income per customer. Um, quite a, a small margin per year per customer and we can put 30 percent on these uh, um, on these margins they have with sharing our cashback so the affiliate market uh, will help us to uh, make companies adopting our technology and in the that is a little bit the the, the challenge you know to get the, to the to the web 2 companies or the real world uh, companies, you always say the Web3 companies, blockchain companies, they are waiting that we are completely live with a polished product. We are live, but we are not live like we like to have it, like everything super fine polished. And we, we have some test clients already around us, but we will roll out when they are all happy. And I think, you know, when people see, you know, especially uh, the, the Web2 companies, how easily Web3 companies integrate a KYC solution and it makes it much more convenient for the client. I think, you know, the tech is like, you know, compared with the internet, people needed it. They adopted it because it's something useful and brings them a, a, a added value in your life, in her life. And that will happen with companies adopting the technology de developed by IMX and KYC Spider. I would fully agree because I see and more coming from the financial institutions background I'm looking more to the regulated clients and there the big challenge I don't see anymore in technology. The big challenge is, is the regulation as such, uh, which, for instance, doesn't allow, uh, we call it the zero knowledge proof approaches, but they always force players in that uh, environment, in that ecosystem to store client data. And those type of challenges, we actually do have solutions for it. They are on one side contractual and technically we obviously enable uh, this compliance as well. So you don't uh, um, actually you don't uh, uh, move from compliant to not compliant if you leverage our solutions, but you actually still have the full compliance and also access to the data, even though it's it's um, uh, it's not the concept of decentralized, but as, as long as the regulator is forcing uh, is forcing to collect data, 
we will also make it available for those companies. So it's a, the end, a more, a, I would say, a, a question of how we contract and how we set up the solution, but we can fully address and fulfill that. Technically, I don't see any more uh, major challenges. Yeah, brilliant. That's actually tied up quite nicely with the next uh, with the next question that is more about the financial and the fintech industry. So how do you envision the adoption of self-sovereign identity and blockchain in the future of compliance and due diligence processes in the financial and fintech space? And uh, uh, what are the regulatory implications and requirements associated with implementing those uh, solutions for KYC and KYB? The, the big, the big, big topic is is here really uh, at what moment in time a proof that you have checked something is sufficient to satisfy the regulator. We call that the zero knowledge proof that I don't need to know the content of information, but I need to have a trusted player that could obviously would be us, uh, IMX KYC Spider, who would confirm that certain uh, situation has been like it was confirmed and uh, then they would accept uh, this uh, as we call it the zero knowledge proof uh, to to prove evidence obviously having all the the legal uh, I, I explained it in i think at the very beginning how we still could prove it even on content but that would then really require going through the court through all those those instances so i think that's at the moment the major topic because that will revolutionate the, the fintech industry. Imagine you don't need to be anymore. Uh, I mean, today, if you apply for a license in most of the, uh, of the countries who are dealing with crypto, you are kind of a subject of the financial markets ecosystem or you're treated like that. We see also the US uh, very recent uh, decisions of US regulators that uh, all those uh, uh, major coins are treated like security. So you're automatically in this type of regulation in and having there the, the freedom that you obviously you want to prove you do the proof, but you know, don't need to store all the information on, on your side will be the major leap forward. And we do believe we will move there, not today and not next year, potentially, but it will and it will still take time to educate also regulators that at the end uh, it is it is about how do we achieve a fair and proper uh, business interaction and and how do we avoid fraud and uh, uh, money laundering and there i think most 99% of all the players do have the same objectives so we just need to get rid of the 1% and make sure that we can do that safely and here we need also to to train and educate the even regulators. I think that is something very important. You know, we see the big difference now in in uh, Europe and the US. Um, to say it perhaps a little bit um, out of my view, uh, personal view, that I see, you know, the regulators in the US, perhaps there's lacking a little bit knowledge. And if they feel uncomfortable, they just say, no, done. No, no crypto, we ban everything. In Europe, it's more like, ah, we don't understand, so we don't touch it. Let them sell NFTs. Let them, let them, you know, let they do, okay? But, you know, when they come back from crypto to fiat, then you have to pay tax. We cash you out, you know, then you have to. And this is something, I think, from the mentality. 
a little bit different. And I think I like the approach for sure more that we can, we still have the place to experiment. We still have the, the place to dig deeper in this space of blockchain decentralization. And a mentality where you say no, if you don't understand it, it will not lead to higher knowledge in the whole community, on the whole uh, in the whole in every countries, you know, if we look to to other countries like you know, I think very digitalized companies, Estonia, they're super. You can, they, they they do 50, 54, 52 percent of the people voted voting online already. If we look at you know us old European countries, um, we are like you know still back in the Middle Age. If we look at our tech. And the US is forcing it even more. They just say stop crypto. They really like to grind it down. And this is something where we where, where you know I can't agree with this. You know, it's the same, you know, if you look at the energy problems perhaps in Germany, you say, okay, we don't understand atom, we stop it. This mentality is always wrong. You know, we have to give the people a little bit pace to experiment. Yes, and and to, you know you you gave some example of different countries. Let's talk a little bit about developing countries because I know, uh, Tim, you are um, you know kind of focus on Africa, and uh, I would like to understand how important is uh, um, self sovereign blockchain solution for KYC and KYB in developing countries. It's it's very important, but also if we look at we are you know more richer countries where people like to to live like to leave their old country because of uh, problems there and when people reach some countries and you know we give them you know, like like a, a welcome package and you already see the fraud in welcome packages so the self-sovereign identity which we like to deliver to the people and you know combining it with charity sorts there you already have the problem that what Bruno also told, we see a lot of fraud, not only in financial institutions with money laundry, we see it in the small things like getting a bonus 10 times, trying to sneak around it. And there's something what we like to help, you know, the refugee camps. We have a, a terminal which they, uh, which we pitch at them, they will have a look, but also to give empowerment to inclusion to the financial world. All this can be enabled through self-sovereign identity because some people, they don't have an identity, so they can't, they can't use the normal, the normal classic banking system. Yeah. But we can onboard them in the, in the crypto world where they can start to explore the world. And we need a little bit yeah, freedom from the governments to let this exploration take place. Yeah. Bruno, do you have anything to add on this topic of developing countries? Uh, I would just add that uh, the last topic uh, team made um, that uh, I think it's about uh, yeah, 15 to 20 percent of the global population who do not have any state identification or who do not have any official identification. And I think from the traditional financial systems, they are definitely excluded. And now with these approaches, obviously, they can start uh, um, really uh, use at least the, the new tech, the new, uh, the new uh, financial systems in the crypto space. And I think that's a major step in, in the sense of independence and getting, uh, getting connected. Perhaps I make a, a short example, you know, we have, you know, there's a very 
famous example of Ahmed Khan, you know, made by Charles Hoskinson. If you send from a European country uh, money to an African country where most of the business is done still in cash, I will send 100 euro to my brother, perhaps in Ghana or somewhere. And, you know, he will get finally $50 to $60 yeah. because yeah. every else will be deducted. And how wonder it takes five days. That was a super time when you compare to bring money over with a horse. But still the banks, you know, in the Internet, in the time where we're living with Internet, it still takes three days if I send something to Ghana. And this is, in my eyes, not acceptable anymore. Yeah. I like to transfer money with very low transaction costs and it should be done in real time. And yeah. this is something which can the blockchain enable with yeah. having everything identified and set up. I think, Tim, you highlight some very, very big issue. One is time that maybe for us in a developed country is um, more important than actually intermediary, right? Because uh, the intermediary costs are less. But when you talk about developing countries like Africa, then it's not just the time, it's also all the middle men, they are taking a cut at the end of the day. You know, you are going to get such a small amount compared uh, to what was uh, actually the original amount of the transaction. So really important point for us all to bear in mind. Now, question number eight, that's quite interesting because it brings us to, you know, Web3 and the crypto space. And, and obviously, you know, one of the main regulatory challenges in, um, you know, in crypto is actually uh, the anonymity of a DeFi platform like Uniswap, like Sushi, I mean, SushiSwap or AnySwap, any, any kind of like um, the Aave, any, any DeFi platform, which makes difficult to actually comply with the KYC regulation and also with anti-money laundering regulation. So what are your thoughts on addressing this challenge while maintaining the principle of decentralization and user privacy? Yeah, this is a, one of my most favorite topic, because if you look on the on the blockchain in the blockchain space, people st still think a KYC is tattooed on your forehead, you know, everybody sees it and it's, everything is transparent. And you know, this is something we have to educate a little bit that the KYC is something, you know, which you can just show in your wallet, like, yes, I have it. And it's made with a timestamp, date and time, and who did it. That's all people can see. And that's all what you do when you got with, when you connect your wallet to one of these DeFi protocols. And to, to look a little bit around ourselves, I think there are not a lot of businesses in the world that likes to work with criminal people. Criminality, I mean, the worst things what can happen, money out of abuse of kids, trading kids, like this really hard criminal issues we have to face in our world. And, you know, there is a money laundry for sure. And to avoid this, I think that should be, you know, because blockchain should always say we, we, we can uh, bring something positive to the world. We can make it a little bit better. But if people are very anti every regulation anti um I, I don't like that that i show a little bit who i am or if i have a kyc that might lead to something that we are um if, if, if we are not criminal people we still are a wall we still hide 
of the criminal people the criminal people hide behind us and this is something where i see anonymity is something nice till a certain point and the point should come when a bank is allowing people to trade like in the wild west and the defi protocols i think most of them have has quite a good ethically uh, backgrounds in philosophy and most of them will introduce a KYC more and more because they will get in serious problems because also DeFi protocols, you know, if the governments really like to know who's running it, they will find out. They will 100% find out. And um, just look at the, uh, the, the, the finance of terrorism. You know, they find these people. And I will be, I, I would not work with a DeFi protocol where I don't know who is my opposite, who I do trade with. You know, I think it's... Um, People have to get a little bit mature and not think that a KYC is something where I directly pull you to the tax office. A KYC secures us all. It um, avoids scams. It avoids that you're, you're, you have a bank run and your bank is bankrupt. You know, uh, this is something, you know, you always say, not your keys, not your coin in, 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 in a blockchain. But wouldn't it be great if you can trust your opposite? Wouldn't it be great that, you know, you can trust the people you work with that I don't know it's Steffi, but I know it's a human being and have a KYC. And if she treats me wrong, I can say, okay, this wallet, you know, made a scam with me, uh, worked bad with me. I think this wallet is a malicious actor. So I can go somewhere and say, please find out who belongs this wallet to because there was a KYC inside. I think this is, Usually in business, you like to see your opponent, your, your, the guy you're the guy business with. And this is something who has to settle a little bit in the blockchain industry. Yeah. But it will be decentralized. It will be more anonymity in the next 20 years. But today, it's simply not possible. And we have to have a soft way uh, which should lead to anonymity as much as possible till a certain point. Yeah. I mean, uh, just to reiterate that this, this kind of zero knowledge proof is, is actually the, the only answer I can see. So it's like a certification. You're dealing only with people who are certified, obviously, who have, to, where you, you don't need to know who it is as a name, but you need to know that they were identified somewhere and they are not on any, any sanction list, for instance. And that's, uh, and that's I think, uh, the minimum we, we, we will move to, we cannot avoid uh, to go there and it still protects, uh, nobody will know my age just because of that. Nobody will know uh, my, my family or, or alike, but somewhere in a safe environment, I have put in my, my data and that's, uh, there is transparency uh, in a safe place while yeah, and the others know that uh, I, I, I have done that and that's like the cert any certification. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I think that for crypto to actually go mainstream and get ma ma um, mass adopted, it does really need to comply with regulation because it can't always stay at the sideline. So uh, building this level of trust thanks to the sovereign identity solution, I think, um, this is a very important 
point for any business and and especially for the fintech space. Now, next question is actually I'm going to start with you, Bruno, because it's quite exciting. And then maybe team you can you can add on. What are what is the role of artificial intelligence in your business operation? Uh, today, I would prefer to use machine learning as a term okay. because Please. AI is used or misused in uh, several uh, flavors. Uh, so, what we obviously do is when we are collecting data, uh, in particular sanctions, politically exposed persons and so on, we need to have a logic implemented how to put that in a sensible way together that we do not have too many wrong hits that we have here a decent way. And in there, we are using machine learning since a couple of years already uh, in order to make that efficient and to get better, better and better. So the system kind of gets trained uh, with that approach. So here it is uh, a, a tool we are using to avoid uh, um, to avoid so-called false positive hits in, in that environment. Um, further on, obviously, we do also have a lab where we experience with um, like chat GPT to uh, kind of um, uh, summarize certain background information in a way that uh, is not really violating any copyright and so on. But that, uh, I would say, so far is more in the laboratory status rather than in, in uh, real production use. Yeah, what I can add is with having artificial intelligence with us, you know, we opened the box of the Pandora. You know, <laughs> uh, I am a little bit uh, critic. I love the tool. I like ChatGPT. I like all these uh, graphic, I think, plays, you know, where you can be creative and uh, try to play around with it. But in the future, we will have uh, such called deep, deep fakes. And uh, this will be like, uh, especially when you do business, is this Tim and is this Steffi and Bruno? Are we sure? Or is the AI with all the simulations we have, is it someone who likes to scam us, you know? Is there someone, you know, hacked in a, in a, in a, in a, in a telco? Is there, yeah, what, what, what will we see? Have, are the news fake? Is the journalist really the journalist who is writing since ages very critically and now he's changing sides? What will happen? And I think this is very dangerous, especially when we look at the educational level we have in nearly all European countries where people more and more trust the social media in a completely blind way. Who does really read printed newspapers? Who does read books? It's like going down a little bit. And I see, and I think, uh, um, I don't know if you are both parents, you know, I see the use of social media with my kids. And I think, you know, we have to educate our kids very well, or we have to use SSI in all these things of your life, that we don't get to this pre-caused crime people, you know, these science fiction movies where you see we can already see a crime. I think it's good back to own your identity, have it in your wallet. And if I start a call, I log in with my wallet, connect wallet, and everybody knows, yes, it's, it's, it, might, it, it should be Tim, 100%, because he logged in with his uh, verifiable credentials out of his uh, cryptographic wallet. And um, we will see deep fakes, which will, you know, which will be unbelievable. 
And uh, so I'm quite skeptic with AI and uh, I'm very happy to work in the self-sovereign identity uh, industry to, yeah, to, to deliver a tool which uh, will help artificial intelligence to stay on the right line. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Now, um, last, uh, last question. Um, there is some bear market, obviously had a significant impact on many projects. How has your project managed to survive the longest? I mean, it's not been the longest, maybe, but it's been quite a painful bear market. And also continuing building, developing, striving. So what has been your strategy to kind of stay resilient? I think, Bruno, the beer market doesn't hurt you a lot. It doesn't more hurt your clients, right? Yeah, well, we we usually try to have win-win situations uh, with clients, which might then also lead to a lose-lose, as uh, our fees usually are paid also transaction-based. So uh, uh, we do suffer together with our clients as well. But to me, actually, this is not more than fair because... Uh, uh, we also would benefit if if the market would would go up. Uh, so from that perspective, it is what it is. We are on our end happy that we also do have um, clients um, outside of the crypto industry, and obviously they do help us uh, uh, kind of to survive and and to give us the necessary uh, the necessary uh, income stream and revenue stream uh, also in traditional business rather than uh, on on the crypto side. Yeah, for us, you know, where we strongly depend on the crypto market um, because of our investors, you know, the, the VCs companies are investing a little bit less, um, but we had a long-term vision and we always exchanged the funds we got into crypto directly into stable coins. So we are always, you know, uh, steering the company in a very conservative way. Uh, we, we save our money as much as possible. We have just paid people with us, you know, and we're very happy that a lot of the team members agree or trust in us a lot. So they agree IMX tokens and uh, we are very sure that these tokens will have a quite high value in the short future. You know, just now we are launching the terminal in Amsterdam next week and the Identity Week Europe. And uh, yeah, we survived because we have we are very flexible. We are very kind of family working together. So we know everybody in, in, in person. We, we had a, a drink with everybody. So we feel very family. And so we are very flexible and we can rely on uh, the team members. And I think, you know, that is, I think, very important if you have tough times that you have a team around you or, you know, you guide a team which wears the high uh, respect and understanding for each other. And this helped us in this in this tough market times yeah? but you know be conservative don't speculate too much you know i think that is crypto you know we are still in a, in a we are still not not adults yeah? the crypto market is still in the childhood and uh, yeah we have to be very careful there i think you you mentioned a very important point especially now with this decentralized and remote way to work you know you kind of work with the everybody anywhere and you know knowing the people that you work with trust your team is something that is very important and even from an investor perspective if we have to kind of say or give some advice to any project building out there investor invest in people 
and having a solid team, having strong leaders as well, like team like you are, that um, you know is is something very that sticks out and something that definitely you know any investor would um, value quite a lot. So uh, thank you for sharing those insights and thank you, Bruno, for coming on the show. Uh, it was great to have you both for this uh, month's edition of uh, IM, IMX M&A. 10 questions to Tim and Bruno. Thanks a lot. Uh, Thanks a lot, Steffi. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It's always nice. We love your interviews. You know, they are so fresh, uh, different <laughs> questions. And uh, yeah, it's good, you know, like you say, it's good to, to have this uh, human being factor. And, you know, it's, it's nice having interviews with you. I like it. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, you know, anybody listening that has got any extra question, please get in touch with us because every month we are going to get together with team and maybe with Bruno again. And, you know, we are going to put to him another 10 questions. So, you know, get in touch now, team. Do you want maybe to remind your, uh, um, you know, uh, social media or where people can reach out to you? And then, Bruno, you can do the same as well. So anybody that is interested, you know, they, they know where to find you. Yeah, we have, um, for us, the most important thing actually is uh, we run a stake pool offering. That is, you can be an investor with the smallest amount you have. You can stake your ADA on the Cardano network in our IMX stake pool and receive quite a good uh, portion of uh, IMX token. And you trade this IMX token for your interest rate you usually get uh, when you stake your ADA. And this is something what helps us a lot. You know, we are uh, nearly funded 50% over the stake pool. We will start to make catalyst proposals, which is a decentralized treasury on Cardano where you can apply and uh, you show your product. And right now, I think it's the, the biggest ever with 500 million ADA will be uh, donated to projects. And this is something, you know, really great. And there you can help us. We have a Twitter account with IMX. You will find that easily. We are on Telegram. So you, you nearly find us everywhere. And you can always reach out. We are there and answer the questions. Also in Discord, you know, for the more IT-related guys, we have a user. We have a, a channel for our, um, for our community in Discord also. I will put the link tree link so anybody can you know see all the information there bruno where people can find you well um still traditional on the web uh, www.kyc.ch uh, for the time being and uh, obviously on linkedin and twitter we are also present and you can find the company or myself uh, and with pleasure i'm more than happy to connect with with all of you brilliant thank you so much and, and for KYC, what I like to add is KYC Spider has a very nice newsletter. Uh, it's okay. it's where you get uh, news over compliance topics. And they are not just made for people which are deeply inside the compliance uh, industry. It's very interesting and always some uh, nice news. So I would recommend to subscribe to the newsletter from KYC Spider. Fantastic. We are going to add that on uh, our description to make sure that people don't miss it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Thanks.